This morning's scripture lesson comes from Amos 5, 10 through 15. They hate the one who reproves in the gate, and they abhor the one who speaks the truth. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and take from them levies of grain, you have built houses of hewn stone, but you shall not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, but you should not drink their wine. For I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins. You who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and push aside the needy in the gate. Therefore, the prudent will keep silent in such a time, for it is an evil time. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, will be with you, just as you have said. Hate evil and love good, and establish justice in the gate. It may be that the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We continue today with famous Amos, not the cookies. I might be bringing cookies at some point. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about that because I keep talking about cookies. So I feel like that's only fair. Uh, no, we're talking about famous Amos, one of the minor prophets, or the book of the Twelve. Uh, famous Amos, who is not a professional prophet, but simply a person in the community who sees the people in need. And he goes and confronts the people in power and says, this isn't right. First of all, God's law has very specific parameters on how we treat one another, and we're completely breaking that. Second of all, we live in a society that's depending on one another, and we're causing our own society to crumble by our actions. And it's not an easy message that he takes to the people in power, but it's a necessary message. And last week we talked about how Amos calls us to care for the poor, to actually do something about those in need particularly whenever our society propagates such social stratification, keeps people in these tiers of lower class, lower middle class, middle class, upper middle class, and upper class. How silly that we can't all just see the human worth of each individual and do something about it. And so with that came a practical lesson to actually do something and I hope that you were able to do something. If you weren't uh, with us last week, um, every person received a dollar bill. One dollar bill to make a difference. Because that's all it takes. Now, in hindsight, I probably should have saved giving out free money till the very end of all of this, because I don't know how I can top that, except for maybe bringing cookies in one day. Uh, but I'll do my best uh, each week. The lesson that Amos has for us is one of speaking truth to power, one of confronting leadership, people who have resources that we don't have or that others might not have, people who have means to be able to make a difference in the world. And what's very interesting about this is that Amos, along with other prophets, uh, exemplify what we in modern day called advocacy and activism. 
Now, there's definitely been a surge in advocacy and activism in the past couple of decades um, on, on many different fronts, and, and thank God it's finally happened, but I mean, goodness, it's taken a very long time for us to, to get there. Uh, but I've, I've heard uh, in many points uh, in the life of the church how people don't like that there's so much advocacy and activism going on and how the church needs to stay away from that. And I'm always very confused uh, by those kind of claims because the prophets didn't do that. Jesus certainly didn't do that. And the church has always been called to be a countercultural institution, and not just a countercultural institution that exists apart from society, but a countercultural institution that exists within society to upheave the other institutions that are causing oppression or the other institutions that are negating the love of God in the community. Amos is just one of those who, over uh, or nearly three millennia ago, started showing us what that looks like in the name of God. Amos and the other prophets were advocates and activists. They stood before people in power and challenged them to live according to God's love rather than their own selfishness. And if you've been a part of our Tuesday morning Bible study as we've been going through the books of First and Second Kings, you have certainly seen how the sins and selfishness of leaders destroy communities. That's kind of what the whole uh, book of, of First and Second Kings is about. And most of First and Second Chronicles, oh, and also uh, Judges, oh, and also the whole Bible? Yeah, the whole Bible. How whenever we have this corruption in our systems that are meant to serve the people, we end up seeing societies crumble. This is because the way that we treat the least of those in our society is directly correlated with the outcome of that society. Now, we have had, uh, over the course of many decades, several phenomenal examples of what good, healthy advocacy and activism can look like for the transformation of a community, that it might look more like the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm reminded of Mahatma Gandhi. Uh, you, know, you probably have heard Gandhi's name thrown about many times. Did you know that Gandhi was very close to becoming a Christian himself? Saying, slightly out of context, I love your Christ, but I hate your Christians. The hypocrisy that exists within the church is the thing that kept him from uh, being a Christian. But Mahatma Gandhi, he entered the halls of British imperial power in India after creating his own clothes and marching to the sea for salt. He took nonviolent activism to stand up against British imperial rule in his community that was leading to further forms of oppression and said, no more, no more. I'm reminded also of labor leader Cesar Chavez who sought higher wages with the United Farms, Farm Workers through activisms and campaigns in the lawmaking halls of the U.S. In the lawmaking halls, actually going there to advocate. You know who's typically in those halls of the lawmakers? People with money. 
people with influence, people who are speaking to those lawmakers and saying, this is how things should go. And he stood up in the face of all of that corporate greed and said, no more, to challenge corrupt leadership. I'm reminded of Nelson Mandela, who from a prison cell held a bullhorn for calls of justice in the South African fight against apartheid. From a prison cell was able to speak truth to power. I'm reminded of Martin Luther King Jr., who challenged the power of Jim Crow laws enforcing racial segregation through powerful and peaceful marches, the first of which was held on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, yes, Alabama. A little too close to home, I hope. These people who spoke truth to power, who stood up against leadership and said, corruption has no place in society. In fact, no society will ever survive or thrive without compassion, without the common good. These individuals and many, many more have confronted power structures and told them that love is the better way. And the only real difference between them and Amos was that Amos spoke to a monarchical, a monarchical, yeah, that's the word, a society, a society that had a king, while we live in a quite a different era of governance. So, call and response time. Who knows what kind of government we have here in the United States? Yes, democratic, republic, uh, yes, both, both actually combine those two. We have a democratic republic, yes. Uh, or really, uh, more specifically, we have a representative democracy, which is different from a democracy, believe it or not. Uh, representative democracy is, is quite different from a democracy uh, because instead of a democracy where all of the people have a voice and say this is the way things should be, a representative democracy or a democratic republic uh, is one where we have elected officials who represent the voice of the people. However, there is a special stipulation in a representative government. Even uh, in spite of what the people might be saying to their representative officials, they can still act out of their own conscience. They don't have to do what the people say they should do. Now, uh, this obviously leads to many different uh, chaotic outcomes, I guess we could say. But having a representative democracy means one very important thing for us. We are even more responsible for corrupt leadership than the people of Amos's day. Why is that? Because we can vote. I hope you vote. I really hope you do. In every single uh, time you have to vote, I hope that you do vote. But not only in voting, there's one other thing that you can do. You can talk to your representative officials. 
you can have conversations with them. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, back in 2020, before the pandemic started, while it was still moving about, uh, Kristen and I had the wonderful opportunity uh, to travel to Washington, D.C. Uh, and work with the United Methodist General Board on Church and Society, who, by the way, has the only, the only non-government building on Capitol Hill, thank you, UMC, uh, and go and speak with our senators about uh, matters that we felt were important to the United Methodist Church. You can do that. Because democracy, as it's set up, is about keeping leadership accountable. This is a quote from the uh, Comptroller General of the United States back in 1979. Uh, you know, very fun title. Uh, but the Comptroller, Comptroller General of the United States in 1979 gave this quote. Representatives are chosen by the public to decide on its behalf the policies and actions to be pursued by a government and are charged with acting in the best interests of his or her constituents. In doing so, representatives are accountable to their constituents for their actions. Democracy is about keeping leadership accountable. We have that power. Something that was quite different from what Amos's, uh, the people in Amos' day had. Because, well, it's a monarchy. You say something wrong to the king, yeah, it uh, <laughs> doesn't go over very well. You say something wrong to the people in power, and it's very easy for them to dispose of you. So it's even more bold what Amos is doing, speaking truth to power. And even more laughable that we don't do the same when it's so much easier for us to do that. It's no secret that corruption exists in leadership. Not exclusively, of course. There are leaders in our society, in our own government, who are very good people. Who are very kind and compassionate people. People who have very strong integrity. Yes, there are. But corruption still lingers around every corner in positions of leadership. And so Amos gives us key things to look out for in corrupt leadership in our passage today in chapter 5, verses 10 through 15. He starts out by saying, they hate the one who reproves in the gate. In other words, what he's saying here is that corrupt leadership are the ones who do not like being told they're wrong. Whereas a good leader will be able to say, oh, I see where I might be wrong here. And I want to hear your perspective on where I might be wrong, and I'm willing to change. But a corrupt leader hates the one who reproves. A corrupt leader, Amos says, they abhor the one who speaks the truth. Ooh, truth. Now that's very delicate conversation in a world of alternative facts. What is truth? Truth can be subjective for many people, but there is a truth that we do have before us in our faith. The truth that, well, can be for us uh, 2,000 years later summed up in the greatest commandments. Love God. Love one another as you love yourself. Love. That is a truth. But these corrupt leaders abhor truth. They trample on the poor and take from them levies of grain. 
I saw a very funny political cartoon uh, that I wish I could have, I would have printed out to, to show to you all. Um, it's a person of power who is sitting between two workers, one of them the implication is that they are not from the US. And one worker has a cookie on a plate. And the worker who is implied not from the US has nothing on his plate. And the person in power sits in between them with a plate piled high with cookies and is pointing to each of them and says to the worker with a cookie, that man wants your cookie. And it's a hilarious uh, political cartoon because this worker has a single cookie. This other worker has no cookies. And this person in power has all the cookies. Why can't we just share some cookies? Now I'm definitely going to have to bring in famous Amos cookies after bringing up cookies once more. They trample on the poor and take from them levies of grain. They are the ones who take advantage of the people who have nothing. You might have passed by on your way to church this morning title loans, uh, title loan shops, places where you can go and get an advance on your paycheck for ridiculously high interests. A couple of years ago, the United Methodist Church came out as a global uh, institution and condemned this practice because it takes advantage of the people who are in desperate financial situations and keeps them in a cycle of perpetual poverty. They build houses of hewn stone. Now, a little bit of context here. That's a really nice house. If you get a house of hewn stone, you're living pretty good. They build houses of hewn stone while there are people with no place to lay their head walking the streets right by them. Oh, how many times Jesus told a parable of a rich person throwing a banquet in their house of hewn stone all the while the poor are walking the streets right out their door. They are those whose interests are more in their comfort and beyond their comfort even into extravagance. People whose interests are more in extravagance than in the interests of those who have nothing. Amos says, they planted pleasant vineyards for themselves, not for others. They planted pleasant vineyards. Now, these are, you know, this is where you get the good stuff, right? This is, the, this is where you get the wine for the, for the weddings. This is where you get that good wine right there. And by the way, the uh, process of making wine back uh, 2,000 years ago made much stronger wine <laughs> than uh, we have today. Uh, yes, and he calls them out because these vineyards are for them. Whereas the law that is handed to them uh, by Moses is that these vineyards would be open to all people. If you grow crops, then there is to be a portion set aside that the poor might walk through your vineyard and take some of that portion for themselves to be able to sustain their lives. But no, these are the kind of vineyards that have very tall walls around them. They afflict the righteous, Amos says. The righteous, uh, we often think of these as uh, you know, the people who are following God. Uh, yes, that is true, but the righteous more specifically is the people who live rightly. The people who live rightly. These leaders are afflicting those who are living lives that are trying to make 
a difference in the world. And I won't even go into the uh, amount of influence that people in power have over nonprofit organizations that are trying to make a difference in the world. They take a bribe and push aside the needy in the gate. They are those who can be paid off. Remember what I told you happens in the hallways of the law of the legislative legislative houses on Capitol Hill. Oh, those bureaucrats are coming with uh, hefty wallets, making generous donations that their interests might be taken care of. They take a bribe and push aside the needy, those who actually need healthy legislation to make an impact in their lives. Elected officials are meant to serve the common good. That's in the Constitution of the United States of America, that the government would serve the people. When they do not do that and instead serve themselves, we can call that corruption. And this is where Amos gives us the lesson to make a difference. I want to tell you a story about a girl who was born on July 12th, recently had a birthday, 1997 in Pakistan. For the first few years of her life, her hometown was a popular tourist spot that was known for summer festivals, but the area began to change as the Taliban tried to take control. She attended a school that her father had founded. And after the Taliban began attacking girls' schools in that area, she gave a speech in Pakistan in September of 2008. The title of her talk was, How Dare the Taliban Take Away My Basic Right to Education? She was 11. In early 2009, still 11 years old, she began blogging for the BBC about living under the Taliban's threat to deny her an education. In order to hide her identity, she used the name Ghul Makai. However, she was revealed to be the BBC blogger in December of that very year. With a growing public platform, she continued to speak out about her right and the right of all women to an education. Her activism resulted in a nomination for the International Children's Peace Prize in 2011. That same year, she was awarded Pakistan's National Youth Peace Prize. She and her family learned that the Taliban had issued a death threat against her because of her activism. Though she was frightened for the safety of her family, she initially felt that this fundamentalist group would not actually harm a child. On October 9th, 2012, when she was 15 years old, she was riding a bus with friends on their way home from school, and a masked gunman boarded the bus and demanded to know which girl was this activist. When her friends looked toward her, her location was given away. The gunman fired at her, hitting her in the left side of her head. The bullet then traveled down her neck. The two other girls were also injured in the attack. And the shooting left her in critical condition, so she was flown to a military hospital, and a portion of her skull was removed to treat her swelling brain, and to receive further care, she was transferred to Birmingham, England. 
Once she was in the UK, she was taken out of a medically induced coma. Though she would require multiple surgeries, including repair of the facial nerve to fix the paralyzed left side of her face, she had suffered no major brain damage, miraculously. In March of 2013, she was able to begin attending school in Birmingham. The shooting resulted in a massive outpouring of support for her, which continued during her recovery. Unfortunately, the Taliban still considers her a target, although she remains a staunch advocate for the power of education. Nine months after being shot by the Taliban, she gave a speech at the United Nations on her 16th birthday in 2013. She highlighted her focus on education and women's rights, urging the world leaders to change their policies. Following the attack, she said that the terrorists thought that they would change our aims and stop our ambitions, but nothing changed in my life except this. Weakness, fear, and hopelessness died. Strength, power, and courage were born. She also urged action against illiteracy, poverty, and terrorism. She chose to mark her 16th birthday with the world. No child should have to die for going to school. Nowhere should teachers fear to teach or children fear to learn. Together, we can change the picture, she said. In October of 2013, the European Parliament awarded her the Sakhov Prize for Freedom of Thought in acknowledgement of her work. In October of the following year, 2014, she became the youngest person to receive the Nobel Peace Prize at just 17 years old. In April of 2017, United Nations Secretary General appointed her as the United Nations Messenger of Peace to promote girls' education. It is the highest honor given by the United Nations for an initial period of two years. Perhaps you know who I'm talking about. Perhaps you've seen that she had a sign at the very intersection of Airport Boulevard and Sage for a time. Her name is Malala. An advocate, an advocate, an activist who spoke truth to power even in the face of death in a society where there is not much democratic representation. And I wonder what's stopping us then from reaching out to our representatives. Amos says that the prudent are often, uh, that the prudent will keep silent for it is a time of evil. Now, the prudent are often considered people who are wise. However, to be prudent is simply to be mindful of one's future, not necessarily wise. Amos paints this as corruption itself. Why? Because silence is kept only to avoid the experience of suffering that may come if one speaks out against wrongdoing. Turning away from injustice and saying nothing in an evil time leads to a perpetuation of and an increase in suffering. One's avoidance and complacency become accessories to injustice and evil. I'm reminded of Martin Luther King Jr.'s words, the ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people but the silence over that by the good people. I'm reminded also of Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who recently passed away, God rest his soul, 
who said, If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. In other words, it is our responsibility to speak truth to power, to advocate for those in need. And if we do not, then we are part of the reason they suffer. So the challenge Amos gives us is to speak up. And my challenge for each and every one of us is to keep leadership accountable. So, it's not free money this time, but I have here a contact sheet. And this contact sheet gives you the names and contact information of your representatives in the city, the state, and the federal government. Now for the city, I have listed uh, each of the district representatives, so you can reach out to the person who represents your district. Believe it or not, these people express on their websites and express openly in public, they want to hear from you. They want to hear from you. Now, here's my caution to you. This sheet isn't to be used because you disagree with their political affiliation. Someone's Democratic, some, someone's a Democrat, somebody's Republican. The, frankly, the two-party system is trash. I, I don't know why we still use, use it, and I'm very open about that. It's just foolish, and all it does is create division. Uh, no, 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 this isn't to be used uh, in those points where you just disagree with a person's political affiliation, uh, but rather is to be used whenever you see corruption and leadership leading to oppression. These sheets are for you to be able to reach out on behalf of those in power who can make a difference in the community to be able to say, do something about this. Uh, yesterday, July 16th, a new national emergency number was created, the number 988. 988 is the new number for the Suicide Prevention Hotline, and it's now a lifeline that offers uh, services to uh, all people in mental health complicated situations. And it was made because people spoke up. Now, what you do with these numbers, or this contact information, is completely up to you. In fact, you can get this yourself. All you have to do is Google your representatives uh, and find out who they are. But I wanted to make this as easy as possible because I said that I regret uh, being a pastor who just kind of tells you to do something without giving you an actionable, actionable step uh, to reach out to them to make a difference in the face of injustice. For instance, did you know last year, Mobile, Alabama had 51 gun-related homicides. This year, in 2022, we're already on track to surpass that. I wonder if there's something our representatives could do about that, because that doesn't count the number of other gun-related crimes or injuries. And there's many more things that are going on in our community that we need to speak up about. And you'll notice on this, I didn't give you the contact, contact information for Mayor Sandy Stimson or for Governor Kay Ivey or for President Joe Biden because you can, you can, you can write directly to them, you can call them, email them, whatever. Uh, 
But the people who have a little bit more influence in their opinions are on here on this sheet, are on this sheet. Uh, kind of the weird way our representative democracy works. Corruption cannot be allowed to stand in leadership because it leads to the collapse of a society. And we, in a representative democracy, have the responsibility to stand up to corrupt leadership whenever we see it. Let's be a people who keep leadership accountable. Let us pray.